Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to those women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We share their stories, and they're shining so that you too can shine and share yours. Um, Folks, I'm so excited today to bring to you my good friend, Sarah Graves of Invite Change. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Susan. It's just an honor to be here. I'm so excited. I've been binge listening to your podcast for a while, trying to catch up with your 100th uh, episode. And just thank you so much for doing this for women in the world and for really being a, um, a champion of women in the workplace and in the world. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. So folks, um, I have known and loved Sarah now for a year. Um, yeah. About a year ago, we met on a bus. So if you yes, know me, on a bus. <laughs> yes, those of you who know me, I meet people through social media. I meet them on buses and trains and planes, and they become my friends for <laughs> life. And Sarah's one of those people. So we started chatting, and we, you know, spoke the same language and. Our energy was similar and we really attracted, we were attracted to one another's everything. So I engaged in this conversation with her and was blown away. So I was so excited to invite her to be on my podcast so that I can share a little bit of Sarah with you too. Um, consider yourself lucky if you're starting your day off listening to this podcast with Sarah because she's amazing. So Sarah, tell everybody else, I know a little bit about you, but tell everybody else a little bit about yourself. Well, I live in Portland, Oregon after years of living in San Francisco, and uh, we're now in our second, uh, or no, we finished two decades here, raised our children here, continuing to raise them. I'm a mother of two, 22 and 16, and also my stepson in Nevada, which being a mother is the biggest uh, fingerprint, it's the biggest part of my heart. And I'm also a working mother and have always been a working mother. So I have a heart for women who bring themselves fully through their work and through their children in guiding and nurturing them. So uh, I started out way back in the day, working my way through college in the restaurant business. I went to university up in British Columbia and then finished as a Viking here at Portland State University. And I started out in psychology and landed, believe it or not, in political science. And both of those have supported and fed me in the career uh, choices that I have made. Psychology, very important, and politics and being political and having some diplomacy has uh, served me well. I could probably learn a thing or two about that diplomacy thing nowadays in this political landscape. Um, it's so funny, Sarah, because I, I have a similar background. So I graduated in poli-sci as well. Um, another connection that just makes me love you more. Um, that is so awesome. So I love that you start out people. I don't know if you noticed this. I always invite professional women on my show. So um, they're always working folks, but when someone starts off with her most important job or the thing that's most important is being a mom, I love that because you know what, being a mom is work. I just, you know, mine is 18 now, so I kind of feel like, whew, I'm getting a little extra week of vacation in my work plan, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but you never, you never let go. You know, he's, he's off at college and I'm, he's like, mom, yesterday he wrote me this. He said, mom, you know, 
you don't have to text me every day. And I was like, oh no, I do. He goes, okay, well not every hour, every day. <laughs> I was like, that's fair. So yeah. I love that you started with that. Um, we also want to shine a light on the fact that you are a working mom. It's not easy. People talk about the myth of work family balance. I call it a myth. I think that uh, people like you and me have done um, beautiful. It was difficult, but it was a beautiful job of integrating. So it's a work family integration. Um, you yes. can't just do nine to five and then, you know, not think about what's going on with your kids or at home or, you know, while you're at work. So, you know, Susan, what that is so true. And one of my ways of, because years ago we got the scientific research that there's no such thing as multitasking. And I do agree with that. And what I call it is time leveraging. So I rarely waste time. And when I'm at the gym, I'm listening to my audible book for Atomic Habits or, um, you know, the Water Dancer, whatever, whatever book I'm listening to, I'm doing that while I'm at the gym. If I'm coming in to do a client and I know it's a half an hour and, I and I'm a coach, I should say, I didn't mention that I'm a <laughs> full-time coach and the chief relationships officer for Invite Change. So I've got that half an hour session coming up. I will put something in the oven or put something on the stove on a low heat so that when my husband or my kids come home that they've got soups or stews or food. And I'm really good at doing things like the time to cook. Uh, I'm not as good with a crock pot as some of my girlfriends are, but I will say that I just, I look for ways to leverage time. And thank God for the iPhone with uh, texting and then the Audible. I do a lot of notes for any blog writing or things like that. I do the verbal notes, uh, the audio notes, and then transcribe them through Rev or just uh, print them off my iPhone. So there are ways that we can um, take care of ourselves, be great at what we do, and be great mothers. And I think some of that is the time leveraging. I would also add there's communication. Like when I went through my coach training, I knew it was going to take time away from my family. So I brought all of my family together and I told them what was really important to me. I gave them the time frame of how long it would take and what would be the kind of bumps in the road or the uh, times that I would not be available because they were confidential coaching sessions that I could not be interrupted, no notes, no nothing. I had to have that time. And you know what? My family, my husband and my kids absolutely supported me. There is no way I could have gotten my coaching credential while working a full-time job uh, without their absolute support, approval, and encouragement. My son, as I've been building my business, will frequently say to me as he's been 10, 11, now he's 16. Mom, how many clients do you have now? What's your goal? How many clients do you want? You know, and he is just like all over me more even than I am on myself. So uh, I love that communication piece and inclusivity with my family of feeling their support and also then asking them what they want and what support do they need from me. That's awesome. I love that you closed with that. That's very important. So um, I'll say my husband has mastered the crock pot cooking. <laughs> he, he, we both have full-time jobs. He is, um, you know, more, well, his, his schedule is 
more predictable, you know, because he's a nine to five or a nine to six or eight or sometimes he has meetings in the evening with what he does. Um, but he's very good about, you know, rolling up his sleeves, doing the dishes, uh, cooking yes. meals. Oh, yes. Bringing home a bottle of wine for me because. <laughs> that's an essential, that's an essential part of living and relaxing and enjoying is For me, for sure. You yes, bet. We, got to share, we got to share some wine and food when we were there in Willamette Valley uh, for the Women in Wine Conference. So Yeah, I was actually going to bring you there on this interview. Um, you know, in telling us a little bit about yourself, you obviously started with the things that are most important to you. And I love to hear that it was your family. I mean, I feel the same way. The reason we work is the freedom to spend time with them and do good, great things with them and create uh, positive memories. Um, but I also work because I love working. I love lifting other women. I love changing the landscape and fighting for equity in the workplace. You love your job as well. You love your, you know, work as well. So tell us more about what you do with Invite Change. Sure. So I am the Chief Relationships Officer, which I did listen to one of your blogs uh, talking about sales and people have a reaction, just get over it. <laughs> and I do agree. I, and I do as a, a sales professional for 30 years, I will say that I do agree with that. And at Invite Change, what we really found was that because our work is so profound and it takes, uh, you know, it takes place over time and that's professional coaching, uh, all levels from middle management to uh, C-suite executive CEO uh, we do learning and development programs that help with leadership presence, uh, teaming, which is a really huge thing right now with uh, growth in team constructs and just even walking in the walking down the hall and creating a quick team in the hallway conversation. What are some ways that we can up level our teaming? And then also the big one and where we really love to start is the coach centered culture consulting. So I have a team of, we're now up to 10 people that talk to different organizations all over the globe. And what we're doing is we're creating relationship. We cannot possibly explain our work or hear what they're looking for without deepening that relationship right from the very beginning. And because of that relationship, combined with what it is that's going on for them, it may take anywhere from a month to a year. I have a woman recently that just signed on with some executive coaching. It took her over a year to convince her company that it was a worthwhile investment. In that year, I didn't ignore her. I stayed with her. I sent her some wonderful articles about women, women empowerment, about coaching and the value of coaching for leaders in uh, the world today. So that's the key for us is just continuing that relationship knowing that if it's meant to be somewhere along the way we're going to partner because invite change and my team we want to show that we're the best partner you're going to have because we really care about you we care about your situation and we're going to support and encourage you in any way we can from a business model to the personal which as we know from our millennials, which by 2025, they are going to be 75% of our workplace. They don't want those two to be separate. They are going to live a life that is congruent and one in the same. I am who I am at work and right. I'm who I am at home. And that's an yeah. exciting time for coaching. 
So I'm super passionate about that. Um, we're we're gonna, folks, we're gonna focus more on Sarah the woman and like, you know, why, why do you do what you do? What What is it about you personally? Um, you know, people don't spend their, I hope most of the people in my circle don't spend their uh, days and nights doing something they're miserable doing or hate doing. I would hope they have the self-love enough to say, you know, I'm life is short. I'm going to spend it doing something that's meaningful to me. So what is it about this that tapped into you personally? Like, tell me a little bit about you. And, and secondly, um, it's okay to talk about Sarah. Like, you know, just, I know. Isn't it funny? Yeah. Look at me. All right. I'll, I'll be real Sarah oriented here. <laughs> the things that uh, I recently just did an icebreaker where the second question we had to answer is uh, when you hear uh, do do that thing that you do what is that and I've, I had to think about it for a minute what what is it what's the thing that I do and the thing that I do that people can always count on me for is to take negatives and create positives out of them. Like even if it's been the most challenging, tough thing you've ever had in your life, my question or my curiosity is gonna be around, what did that develop in you? What was the joy? Yes, it was hard and what did you, what was the golden nugget that you got from that? And literally Susan, I'm not exaggerating, when I was in first grade, I started this. At school, I started a little club. My teacher, by the way, was Miss North, and I always love that because of the North Star. What's your North Star? My North Star is believing in people and knowing that whatever they think or dream about doing, I want to support them in that. And so I found different ways to do that. When I used to, uh, I was an executive in the wine industry, I would bring the teams in one by one and ask the person for the year, who are you? What do you wanna do this year? What do you wanna bring forward in yourself this year? Sales was just the vehicle, but the, what was important was what's important to the person. And that has been my passion my whole life. My mission is I passionately and practically empower people through incremental organic change that will illuminate, electrify, and infuse the planet with their essence. That's my mission. And I'm committed to it in every way that I interact with the world, whether it's being the current president at the International Coach Federation, our local chapter, whether it's volunteering with Women in Wine on their board at this point, uh, and doing my coaching and being Chief Relationship Officer with Invite Change. Everything I do, I'm gonna be looking for what, what do you want and how do we make it work? And if I've got a way, I, I see this in you, Susan, I think it's why we connected. When I hear what people want, I, my brain starts turning, I think, they should talk to Susan. They should talk to this person. They should talk. And I connect them almost immediately through text, through uh, the iPhone, through e email, through something. Because, you know, I heard recently uh, something that I've known for years. If you have an idea and it's traveling across, you know, it's in your brain. If you don't take that idea and put it into action within a very short span, that's all it will ever be is an idea. And I believe that Mel Robbins uh, in her TEDx talk, she said five seconds. 
I can't say that I do it in five seconds, but I probably do it in 30 seconds. Just like you, just like you did. You grabbed your phone. You said, Sarah, give me your, give me your info. And we just exchanged info right on the bus, right? We did it right then. Yeah, I think we connected um, in a meaningful way before we even connected digitally. Um, I saw, look, the, judge me however you will, folks, but I'll say I like folks when I see a little bit of me in them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I saw a little bit. So, Sarah, what is it that people see in you when they, like, for example, look at your friend circle. Why are mm -hmm. they your friend? What is it they I, see in you? I have this one friend that I, I, I made some statement the other day and they said, yes, Sarah, that's because you think differently than any other people. And I went, what? And then I realized, well, yes, that's true. And really we all do. So if we are willing to bring our voice forward, and I think, Maybe, you know, you said more, Sarah. Okay, I'm a three on the Enneagram for you Enneagram people out there, which is the achiever and the performer. I'm a Leo. I'm an uh, ENFJ for you. Myers-Briggs. Um, uh, Myers-Briggs. And, and so I have a lot of passion in what I believe and, you know, judgments, which is part of that ENFJ. But the judgments I've learned through coaching to have my thoughts, but to be able to set them aside and be in that judgment-free zone when right. I'm coaching. And yeah. so what I've done, Susan, is I bring more and more of that judgment-free thinking when I'm with my friends. And so they love it. My, my friend uh, Frankie always says, Sarah, I feel like you really listen to me and you're not trying to tell me what to do. You give I love me that. Space, yeah, you give me the space to say what's true and then there's this like sort of long pause, like then I can figure out what to do without you telling me, you know, what to You know do. what I loved about when I met you and the conversations that we've had since? Um, I mean, obviously today's podcast is about learning about you. So you're going to talk about yourself a lot because I'm asking you to, I'm prompting that. But you really are a third level listener. Um, that's a great phrase that one of my friends used the other day in a conversation we were having on a podcast. And I had never heard that before. I use the phrase active listening, but third level listening really does conjure up um, or evoke thoughts of deep, 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 you know, and I think you're that, um, you know, obviously right now I'm asking you to talk all about yourself, but when you meet, when you meet Sarah folks, she'll ask you a meaningful question and let you share her, your answer. And like you, Sarah, I am an ENFJ. So we intuit a lot. We definitely, um, you know, can read people even beyond the words that they're saying, the way they communicate with their body language or the way they, um, you know, communicate without words. So mm -hmm. I've done the Enneagram. I'm an eight, which you can probably uh, imagine. Of course, of course. <laughs> people are scared of that. But I'm also, number two is a two, a helper. So um, I kind of balance that out, but we're both super passionate about what we do. But I think a beautiful gift that you have is that you are that third level listener. So folks, she's very, very good at uh, assessing people. Don't be afraid. <laughs> no. no, because yeah. I, I just, I love people. I love the differences. I love our unique 
and individual contributions that then work collectively. You know, it's yeah. It's like a, well, you know, ENFJs are very rare. You know that, right? Yes, very it's something rare. like three percent or something. It's two percent. Yeah, two yeah, percent of the population are ENFJs. And I'll tell you, we thrive on relationships. And that's exactly what you just said. Um, well, you have been quite successful. I met you um, in the current position that you have, but in the wine industry. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about your proudest professional accomplishment, whatever that might be. Or maybe you haven't even had it yet. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I did think of this. And I love this question because it's hard because there's a lot to be proud of over the years. But I think of a day when I walked into, because it was, it, it was an experience that I'd never had before and I have not had since. It was a unique, challenging, heartbreaking uh, moment as a leader because I was about to walk into a warehouse uh, full of the team that had been assembled. We'd had a merger and acquisition we were in the midst of uh, the worst recession of my lifetime and your lifetime, Susan. Yes. Uh, you know, people forget we almost had a run on the banks. Uh, it was a very, very hard time. So I walked into that room and a lot of the people, more than half of the people were young people under 30. And I saw the look in their faces and they were very distressed. There was a high level of stress because there was so much uncertainty uh, we had made some steps uh, uh, back. We had to take some steps back in technology because uh, the technology we had had, we lost during our merger and acquisition. So they were basically being asked to increase their sales with less technology and a warehouse that just increased its capacity by 50% without the organization yet in place. They were the people that were going to be directly working with restaurants in throughout Oregon, and they were the sales rep uh, the, uh, and district managers for those accounts, thousands of accounts, and they were in distress. So when I walked in there, my job was to give them inspiration and motivation to even leave that building because the fear was so thick, you could cut it with a knife. And I did it. And how I did it was with honesty, with communication that was simple and clear. I didn't give them the entire list of what we were going to do. I gave them the next three steps of what we're going to do. We're just going to go like, you know, the horse on the race with the blinders. We're just going to go step by step without looking at everything. And why were we going to do it? And who were we? And that's where the inspiration and the motivation came because we come together as a team. And as a team, if we can go through this, one of the hardest times in, on our planet, and we get through it, you'll be, I said, you will be the leaders of tomorrow. You will be the people that can take on anything. Because as we go through this and learn from our mistakes and our challenges, we're going to get beyond it. Now, the exciting thing is, Susan, that was 11 years ago. I did an audit in the last few days of that group of people that I'm getting shivers right now. That list of people that was in the room, they are all now anywhere from VPs. One is interviewing for a couple CEO positions right now in the wine industry. Several of them have started their own wineries. That group 
We didn't lose anyone, by the way. No one, wow. no attrition during that very challenging time. And we did it through honesty, consistent communication, encouragement, and being there with them, going out in the field and being with them and listening to what were their challenges and fixing them as soon as possible. So I say that because that is my proudest moment. When, we, when all was said and done, in the second year, instead of losing business, we were actually up double digits um, in a recession year. That team kicked it, and I am so proud of them to this day. That is awesome. So that's an example of transformational leadership, whereas, um, you know, in some settings, people don't understand what leadership really looks like in this day and age, for sure. Don't yes. recognize that giving, you know, hope, but tools as well to mm -hmm. every member of the team, regardless of their title or pay grade. Um, that's what transformational leadership is. So I think you in that example, you know, showed us a good example of what transformational leadership is. And you did a great job there, especially now that the um, folks you led or trained or taught or helped are now in leadership positions themselves. That's the best kind of um, desired outcome, you know, when it turns out that the people you helped are now successful and can make their own decisions. And that's really a great story. Well, you obviously inspired them and mentored them and taught them. Who has done that for you? My biggest mentor and uh, coach would be my dad. And, you know, uh, my dad was a Navy man, like your husband. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't a lifer, but he was in for seven years. Many of the pieces of advice that he would give me as a young person and then uh, you know, even as we grew, he grew, uh, we, well, we were both growing older together, but always had a perspective that instead of getting in the muck, uh, he loved to fly, uh, as a hobby. And one of his lines was Sarah, be above the situation, not above, uh, like, not elitist, but rather get above it, look at it, look at the perspective of it. And that helped me uh, when I got my coaching credential, uh, actually, my dad had just passed a couple uh, weeks before, and I dedicated my certificate to my dad because he was my original coach. And those kinds of things, like be above the situation, um, see the best in others was another. Um, and I had a CEO friend of mine that kind of transformed that into always assume positive intent. And I, I love that. Yeah, don't you? I mean, if we start with that, then we don't try to ascribe negative, uh, you know, machinations or, or conspiracy theories to people, and especially those closest to us that are on our team, to really listen from that place. So my dad was yeah. very pr proud of me also, and he was a traditional uh, husband, you know, born in 1970, very traditional he became a feminist, Susan, and a, and a champion of women because he had th uh, three of his five kids were daughters. And he didn't think that they couldn't do anything. He believed we could do anything. So then what was in the way of that? Well, society, uh, yeah. not having the ERA, you know, what all those different things. So he always believed that I could do anything, and he was so proud of me. Well, Sarah, he sounds like a wonderful, wonderful feminist. And I believe we need men on our team. We need to have oh, them at do. the table. And the conversation needs to be um, all inclusive. Because how can we dare 
complain about inequity if we're trying to create the same problem, equal but opposite problem. I, I just think that it parity is what we're shooting for, not uh, right now we have like 60, 40, let, let's say we have 60, 40 men to women in a particular industry. How can we say that's a problem and then shoot for the equal but opposite problem? Why would we want 60, 40 women to men? We want parity. We want equity. Um, and also, I want to say my dad was also a pilot. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yes, it's crazy. Oh. And then also, I want to say that um, I grew up never even thinking I couldn't do it all. Like I was the one, I didn't, I've never suffered imposter syndrome. I know most women do. And, and there are ways we can get through that and out of that and over it and learn from it. Um, but like you, my greatest influence was my dad. And then my next greatest was another man, a man in Boston, um, Massachusetts. So I never, you know, felt like there was even, why not? You know, my question was, people would say, why you? I'd say, why not me? You know? So right. I love that about you. It definitely, you exude that confidence. Um, you're assertive, you're confident, not, not cocky, you're confident. Um, yeah, you're just a joy and a pleasure and both personally and professionally. And you know that my focus is women, right? I'm yes. trying to help women find their voice and to share yes. that voice and own their story and tell their story. How do you um, advise maybe that women just even day to day, or if not mm -hmm. something bigger or more grand, how can they help one another, support one another? I think women can support each other in literally every day in every way. It can be our uh, ability to listen and not over talk each other, to listen from that place, as you say, of, of multi-perceiving. What aren't they saying? What's, how am I looking at them? Other people are observing how we look and how we treat each other. And I love to surprise men who think that I'm going to be competitive with other women because that has never been my gig, Susan, ever. I always support other women. And if I go off track, I catch myself and I get right back on it because it's easy to get hooked. Sometimes, just because of the situation in our society, people will try to set you up to say something negative about your woman uh, cohort. Uh, that happened to me frequently in the restaurant business, in the wine business, and later in distribution. And I really resisted ever doing that and finding what's positive about this person. And, you know, I became known as the woman who hires women. And I would say to people, I would say to the guys, well, are you the man that hires men? Because why would you say that? I'm actually not hiring women. I'm hiring the best person for the, can uh, the candidate for the job. And they happen to be women. And you weren't entertaining any women candidates. I always make sure that there were women, uh, wherever possible, people of color, to really look at that inclusivity and diversity piece. Yeah, that is so important. I think that a lot of people don't yet realize that by lifting women up, it doesn't mean we're putting men down. It's that we need to change the operating systems. We need to stop this. You know, a lot of successful women have become the men that we combat their behaviors, you know, like yes. this clawing at each other to get to the one or two spots at the top when my goal, and perhaps yours too, is to change the system so that there are more spots at the top 
and we stop this infighting amongst one another. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier, the assume good intent. That's a very powerful, powerful tool. And yes. too often we as a society, especially maybe women, project mm -hmm. our own fears and insecurities onto others. And that's just not helping. You know, helping one woman helps all women. Hurting one woman mm -hmm. hurts all women. So that is so you. true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, walk the walk, ladies. I mean, stop yes. this mean girl crap. Enough. Right. Um, right. And you know, you know, what's interesting is I love uh, wordplay and word history, etymology. Uh, you know, if we look at competition, the word has its roots in uh, a, a Latin word, rivoli. And what that uh, goes back to is the stream that the Rivoli was the stream of water that we all drink from. So we are, I'm drinking from that, that stream, you're drinking from the stream, we're all in this together and we can treat each other with joy and respect and encouragement. And if I fall short, like if somebody else gets a promotion that I didn't get, or someone gets a house that I didn't get that I wanted, right? it actually can be turned into my next challenge. If I wanted it so bad, how do I turn up my game? How do I uh, improve my public speaking skills? How do I learn something in technology that I've been ignoring that I might need to do? So in other words, use it as a way to challenge yourself to be better than where you're sitting right now. And instead of uh, not being happy for that other person, be happy for them. Because you want people to be happy for you when you get what you want. So just bring that joy and that happiness for each other in a way that, uh, as you say, uh, a rising tide floats all boats, right? Yeah, I always say win or learn, never lose. Yes, oh, love it. Um, let me ask you, I'm sure it hasn't always been easy peasy, not that it is now, but what perhaps has been a great challenge for you and how did you overcome it? Well, I was thinking about going way back, like some of our, some of our listeners weren't even born then, but I don't know if you remember this, but when we used to eat out as kids uh, in nice restaurants, there were never women. It was continental service and it was all men. Some of them had the little silver, uh, cup around their neck and it was you know very so-so no women so I worked uh, one of my joys was moving to Southern California when there was no work here in Oregon when I graduated from university I went down to California I got a couple of different jobs and one of them was waiting tables uh, but it was cocktailing and all of the waiters were men and they would come down to the end station to get their drinks or get their wine. And what would they do? They would pick my brain about wine and ask me what wine would go with the food they're serving. Well, after about the 12th or 15th time of this, I was really getting tired of it, Susan. And so I went to the owner of the company, of the restaurant, and I said, if you, if you see no reason to not have women as servers, then why am I not in the restaurant side? Why do you have me as a cocktail server? I know more about wine than any of the guys you have, and they're constantly asking me. So I just kept pushing it. Within three weeks, I was the first server, uh, and I don't want to tell you what year it was, but it's a long time ago, Susan, and I broke that barrier. 
Then when I was, I ended up being the general manager, the people that I hired, I did equal. Hey, if a guy wanted to be a cocktail server, fine. If the woman wanted to wait up table. So in other words, I agree with you. We don't swing the pendulum the other way. We're looking for balance. And so wherever I've been, I have fought for the voice of women. I was one of the first general managers of restaurants in San Francisco. And again, uh, it was being the first. And, and that's what I do. Then when I get in the position to be the leader, I evaluate all people and make sure that we have a good balance of the talent that goes with it. But gender is important as well. You seem to pave the way for others to be their highest and best selves. Well, if people want to reach you, Sarah, how can they reach you? They can reach me. Do I do, can I do my phone number or sure, what whatever you, you'd like? And yeah. I'll share it in the blog as well. Okay, good. So my phone number is 503. That's the Oregon area code 503-309-7515. And I, I love to text. So feel free to text me. And then my email is Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H dot graves at invitechange.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for being here today. You're always so delightful. Um, folks, thank you for tuning in and listening to more about Sarah. And you know that I'll write the blog about this. Include some great pictures and um, her contact info as well. In case you didn't have a pen to jot that down, you can certainly look up the blogcast on my website, freemanmeansbusiness.com, and learn more about Sarah and connect directly with her there. Sarah, Wonderful. thank you. Absolutely, Susan. You have you keep up the fight, girl, because you are just doing such a great job. It's such a pleasure uh, to be on your program. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being here. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.